I am very fortunate to have friends in high places. And this guy I have known for years. Now, when it comes to multitasking, this guy is a multitasker supreme, I would say, you know. Uh, because, you know, he, he plies two different fields at the very least. We share the same passion for, shall I say, underground music, you know, as well as mainstream music. That would be the likes of, say, Depeche Mode, U2, you know. It's, it's from this guy that I was able to discover a band called The Editors, you know. But you might think that I'm talking about a guy who's not doing anything. Like I said, this guy's a multitasker. He happens to be a director for uh, a major network. And when I say that he plies two fields, that means that he's he's a rock fan on one field. And then on the next, seamlessly, he will cross over to that side where he would promote the likes of Silaya, Inigo Pascual, you know, the millennial people uh, that are making waves right now in mainstream pop culture. A good friend of mine and a busybody who uh, spared some time to be with us today, Direk Alco Guerrero. Hello. How are you? How are you, man? <laughs> we're both wearing shades right now because, yeah. well, yeah, we're, we're too yeah. cool for this room. Yeah, that, that, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, no, no. In fact, I had a gig last night, like I told you. I had one drink too many, so <laughs> that's why I'm wearing shades. Because I was a producer and I'm in a Patsy who's you know, watching over me with uh, eagle eyes. And, but, and yeah, yeah, you're still in for work. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Direct. Yeah. Let's start from your uh, humble beginnings. My humble beginnings. Well, yeah. You were an actor when you were young. Yeah, I uh, I did a little theater. You did a little theater. Yeah, a little theater. Um, some Shakespeare, and it was extremely. Wait a minute, fun. you did Shakespeare? I did like Shakespeare, huh? Yeah, I did uh, Merchant of Venice. I was uh, Basanio. Yeah. I really can't. I admire people who would even consider dabbling in Shakespeare because I've said this to my previous guest, you know, mm. see Mr. Odi Himora, that Shakespeare makes my nose bleed. Really, I really. Mean, you know, the language he uses mm. is English, but it's not really. It's some yeah, kind it's of alien same. language pretending to be English. Parang matrix code yun eh. Exactly. Know, it's you know? like when you see the code. Yeah, I see not... bits and bites, you know, yeah. when I read any page from Shakespeare, yeah. you know. But when you see it. In green, you, yeah. When you finally understand it, it's like no one has said anything original since that guy. He said everything. He did? Yeah. Everything. He actually understood it enough to do it. Well, hopefully. On stage. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Yeah. I didn't even know you did theater because when I said humble beginnings, quote unquote, I was referring to your foray into television. Oh, I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that show is very familiar to people our age. Mm. And uh, I would like to give you the honor of mentioning the name of that show. What show is it? Ilan ba yung ginawa mo? Dati? Where I used to act or something? Yeah. No, no. It was a kiddie show, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Kulit bulilit. Kulit bulilit. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah, <laughs> Sipati's like, yeah, really? Yeah, I was in the opening billboard. I have to look for it. <laughs> okay, and you got into it because, is it because of your mom? Is, yeah, my mom is was an, a, as an executive of yeah, the network. She was a producer and so she would bring me to the sets and just put me there. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? The, is it safe to say that uh, your exposure to that medium made you into who you are now? Uh, oh, definitely. Um, as a director. Oh, de definitely. I mean, I think when you have these experiences and you see it and you take it all in naturally, mm -hmm. it just affects who you are. My mom had a show before Vilma, the Vilma show. 
Right. And she would always bring me those Friday afternoons. Hello, Tita Chit. <laughs> Friday afternoons, she would always bring me to the rehearsals and I would see everyone screaming <laughs> at each other. And I would see one guy who, if he's the one who talks, everyone gets quiet. And I, I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, Fair enough. This was uh, Bert De Leon. I forgot the name of that. Romy, Romy Veron. The late Romy Veron. Just everyone was screaming. Pero pag pumasok siya, tahimik. So I'm like... And that's when you decided. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of this? What, what, what's his job? Director. I want this job. <laughs> what was your first directorial job? It was weird because uh, Vilma would do some... Um, they did some US tours. In what year was this again? Sorry. 1990, 1991. And you were how young? So, uh, 15. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 15. Yeah, this was unforgettable because the, the guest of uh-huh. that, the guest of that, that show was Francis M. Ooh. Yeah, and, and Francis would talk would to me. Would this be his, ma, my, mga, mga kababayan ko days? Yeah, nandun na siya eh. And he was, he was actually stalking, um, MC Hammer because mm-hmm. we were in San Francisco. And he got to meet MC Hammer. And he was telling me about it. And I was like, oh my God, why didn't I go with you? Okay. okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But uh, during those times, um, mom had a small video camera. Right. And she just gave it to me. You take shots. So what I did was... This was still a film. No, no, digital. No, yung mga small tapes. Pa yung mga, uh, eight, high eight bayon or something. Mm. So what I did was I followed Vilma everywhere. Except Sabanyo. <laughs> and wow. I, I would just shoot her. And, um, ba yung mga BTS yeah, yeah. Oh. and then mom took a look at the, the material and she was like, this is nice. So she said, she decided to cut it up and air it as a behind the scenes segment. Mm-hmm. And she paid me shoes. <laughs> <laughs> shoes? Yeah, shoes. We're gonna get there. This guy's a big shoe fan. <laughs> uh, if you go to his Facebook, his passion for shoes is, I must say, the same as his passion for directing and <laughs> other creative work. So is that what brought it on? Yeah, I think it, there was always that um, the way I would perceive cer- a certain something, I would see it in moments. I guess back then, you kind of see the moment where Vilma's quiet and then you you have this little narrative in your head. I like that. I like capturing mm-hmm. people. And uh, well, if you visit my Instagram, I always make, yeah, yeah, bigger yeah. things about bigger things. Yeah. But so, I'm when gonna... was your move from Vilma to the other office, the major network yeah. that uh, no, see, has been your home for, for how many years now? Oh, it it also started when uh, mom made the move because uh, Vilma decided to concentrate on her family. So right. the show was over, and uh, mom moved to become a capamilia. Mm-hmm. When when she was there, sakto, I was in uh, college. I tried out for, I actually tried out for Star Cinema as a writer. As a writer? Yeah, creative. But mm-hmm. uh, they had a think tank. Kasama si direct Eman de la Cruz. Were you still in school then? Were you still in uh, college? No, I was fresh out of college already. And I, I was still in college, pero parang papunta na ako sa ano, graduate sana. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, what was your course? Film. Film talaga? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I didn't know that you were a writer. Uh, I can't also, oh. I almost did. Amazingly, you know, you you've you've uh, come a long way uh, from those mm-hmm. days because you've done now Christmas specials, you've done major shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, ako na na bro, kasi like I said earlier in my introduction, 
for you. You're a big music fan, you know, mm. of anything that's non-pop, yeah. quote unquote. You yeah, know, like yeah. U2, Depeche Mode, and yeah. all these <clears throat> uh, other bands that I've never heard of. Mm. You know? And yet, you th- you thrive and you flourish, you know, in in directing, you know, mainstream mm-hmm. uh, shows, you know, mm-hmm. for the masses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you've done so much work, and how does that? Is that like a yin and yang sort of thing going on with you? Or how do you put one foot here and then the other foot there and just sort of keep your sanity? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm, uh, I'm not really aware of it. People have said that. How do you do it? And I'm like... Because I've met people. Okay? Sorry to mm, cut you. But yeah. I've met people who would be really... I don't want to use the word purist. Pero talagang yun ang mundong ginagalawa nila. Like when I know someone who's like you, who loves the work of Anton Corbin, you mm. know, and... And all these great eyes and minds. Yeah. Know, they wouldn't even think of directing a Christmas special mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a noontime show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't think that they would give it two thoughts, you know, to direct a noontime show, or mm-hmm. to direct a, a, a Christmas special, mm-hmm. you know. Not for anything, pero yeah. andun lang talaga yung inanlain, creativity nila, nandun lang. Yeah. But you, you, you seem to just do it. <laughs> you know, and and you know what mainstream shows need. Mm-hmm. You know, visually. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't you don't seem. To, but is there an alco stamp, paren? If there were to be a stamp, I I think like like you know, the the whole crossing over thing. The crossover, kasi it does happen. Yeah. But my thing is always to bring a little of what I know, what mm-hmm. I come from, and I come from a lot of what you two has been trying to do. Mm-hmm. Re- reach out, dream. Think bigger than the thing itself. Mm-hmm. This is what Corbin was all about. I mean, when he had those high headroom shots and all that, it's like the world is so much bigger than what you think. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would sort of bring that to when I work with my Maya Plata, when I work with uh, Inigo, I'm like, you have to realign and think bigger. And, um, the way to do it with them, with the celebrities, is to ground them in a way and mm-hmm. tell them that we're going to work hard and mm-hmm. you're going to get results. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, you know, me on social media, I like mythologizing things. I like getting these little moments. You have your own little persona going on. Yeah. I on mean, your Facebook and your Instagram. Um you have that Macfisto thing, <laughs> yeah, well, happening. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's a. Because it's 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 a it's a But in the moment, the moment is there. You either just let it go or you mythologize it, right? Diba? So when you get you go back in time, it's like, hey, that that, that happened. You did a uh, televised concert for the dawn. Yeah. Quite a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, that was for, sorry, One Music? One, one Music, yeah. yeah. That was a great, great show. We had fun there. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> if we're talking about the Alco stamp, mm-hmm. would that be it? Something like that? Definitely. Visually? Definitely. Yeah. You know, I'm you know I'm a big, big fan of the Dawn, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> no, the, the thing about the Dawn, because the Dawn was the, the portal. Mm-hmm. It was the, the gateway for, for me. I mean, I even thought that the cure covered the dawn <laughs> because of close to me. Naman. Oh, oh um, hindi naman. <laughs> no, I, I, because back then I was a kid. I was very sickly. I didn't get to go out. All I had were the tapes. 
mm-hmm. all the dawn. In fact, uh, I would ask mom. You were the sickly guy at home. Yeah. We were the, the guys on stage. Yeah. Being fans just like you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but when I heard the dawn, when I heard, um, you know, the myth was complete. Eh? There's, there's this guy, he wears makeup. And, and, and he's just this god, you know, Teddy. And then he dies. Yeah. And then he dies. And all I, all I know is that everyone in school is upset. This is grade four. And everyone's like, Patay na si Teddy Diaz. Who's Teddy Diaz? And then that's when I, I pick up mm-hmm. on, 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 on everything. And then, and then of course, I Stand With You comes out and it's just this brilliant, brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, you know, funny you mentioned that because uh, even to me, he was my bandmate. Mm-hmm. But, but he, his stint was so short that even yeah. to me as his bandmate, he's mm-hmm. a myth. Mm-hmm. There are times mm-hmm. when I would, you know, lie in my bed and look at the ceiling and say, did that really happen? You know, wow. was there really a Teddy Diaz? Wow, happened? yeah, yeah. You know, because we, we have memory triggers. Like we have videos, right, you know, right. we have the albums, we right. have the vinyl, we have the tapes right. and everything, you know. But he was, he just kind of flew in and out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he gave us, he gave us this thing called the dawn. Yeah, yeah. You know. Because you were so young back <clears throat> then. You the youngest. Yeah, I started when I was 17 oh, in the yeah. band, you know, and... I was impressionable. I didn't really know what was going on, really. Mm-hmm. All I knew was, okay, I was with these bunch of older guys who are really serious about making music. Right. And then Enveloped Ideas came out and after a year or so, it was already being picked up by, you know... Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And mm-hmm. then next thing we know it, we were already on stage mm-hmm. uh, in Ultra, then mm-hmm. Araneta, and then he's gone. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. what the F was that? Right. right? I mean... So it's funny that you mentioned that because if you think that Teddy was a myth, I mean, to me, he was, he was just that. Yeah. The only difference was between you and me, he, he was actually my bandmate. Yeah. I mean, rather than now, I mean, when you look back and you watch Teddy yeah. and now having known the history of Pinoy Rock or whatever you want to call it after Teddy dies, mm-hmm. you can still say that there was no one like him. You know, because really, there's no one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that because he was my bandmate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really no one like him. The way he presented himself, the way mm. he 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 wrote music, the way he played them, and the, the, the but he he didn't. He was never a druggie. No, he never did alcohol. Never drank. Never smoked. I, I mean, that that just elevates him. Parang eh, pwede pala eh, di ba? Yeah. Di mo Juggy. And to think, you know, I was scared the first time I met him because when I entered that rehearsal room for the first time to audition, mm-hmm. he was the scariest looking because he had long hair. At that time, long hair was a big deal, man. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 80s, ngayon, parang everyone can have mm-hmm. long hair. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. No one will pay mind, right? But back then, he had long hair that was kind of, you know, disheveled and just going all over the place. He was wearing this frumpy white shirt. And then there was this bottle of alcohol on his amp. Mm-hmm. Na pala, hindi pala sa kanya yun. It was from the other guy, mm-hmm. the bassist. It's just that dunang pinatong. So you can you can imagine the visual I had in my head right, of Teddy right. when must, I first saw him. Must have been terrifying. <laughs> my goodness, I'm gonna get into all sorts of vices with this guy. <laughs> and then it turns out that he was so clean, man. It, yeah. I mean, you know, what whatever you know, whatever dirt he mm-hmm. may have, you know, it came out in the music. It came out with the way he looked. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's a myth, if if mm-hmm. you ask me. Mm-hmm. No, plus, come here. I mean, because of the dawn, you always kind of go back. Mm. I went back to the first album, 
And I actually remastered it on my phone a little. I know. I saw, <laughs> I, I saw your post. <laughs> I boosted it. And um, it's funny because now that album sounds even better than when it, it came out. Because now you know the history of things. And you can say, this thing was as good as whatever you two was putting out at the time. At the time. No, no, no. It was. I tried it. I played it to a guy. Neil Dimopoulos. I I played him. Gloria. Una, una, the recording quality of... Yeah, uh, it's just a recording. Bands like you too, man. Even back in the day was, you know... No, but it was the songwriting. Like, I played him Gloria. Right. And then I played him um, Sing Me. Because this guy's like young, like 20 years old. And I asked mm. him, tell me which one's the Filipino band. He said you too was the Filipino band. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. He, because, you know, people know the Don Salamat. Um, yeah. Uh, talaga naman yeah. these things but they don't know Sing Me they don't know Mad Game they yeah the core fans do the core fans do and uh, my personal favorite is Living Seed mine too it's one of my personal favorites yeah. that and Susie when, you know, Living Seed for me is like okay this this, this is this is that is practically the, a Teddy Opus yeah uh, Susie and um, Living Seed yeah I don't want to ask what Living Seed means but because it's to me, a dummy meaning. Well, you know, we discussed it when Teddy was still alive. What's it about? Uh, there's, there's a religious uh, tone to it. Mm. You know, it's like a savior, a messiah. Oh. I am the living seed, you know. I'm okay. here to bear fruit. I misinterpreted it. <laughs> yeah. But since the music was so dark and so yeah, sounding, so it, it, it totally... Even I get scared when I sing it, man. It's like, yeah. you know. It, it's... it's it's right up there with what the <coughs> cure cure was doing at the time, and yeah, yeah. Parang, there, there's there are those things. There's the dawn that you know, and then there's the dawn that that really was there. And okay, because God, Teddy died, especially nowadays. Uh, I think about it a lot. You does that what if? Eh? Mm-hmm. You know, would the dawn have made something like melancholy, like the double album of the Smashing Pumpkins? If Teddy Pumpkins? were alive, right? Yeah, would they, would they have made something like Actung <laughs> Baby with electronica and all that? Which you did, actually. Prodigal Son. You know, it's... it's the, yeah. Yeah. So, there's that. I mean, you, when you think about Filipino music, the whole of it, and you want to see who you owe this to, who you owe that to. Okay, we owe everything to Juan de la Cruz. And then, and then there's the dog. Okay, speaking of Filipino music, uh, you mentioned to me earlier that you're planning to put up this music label mm-hmm. as if you're not busy enough. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Uh, it was a total, I don't know, if you want to talk about it with stars aligning, then this is it. Mm-hmm. I met Mam Flor Santos and L.A. Santos, who is a young singer, during the uh, concert of U2. They were the ones who brought me backstage because they, they helped produce it. You know, while I was bawling because Bono had just passed right in front of me. You met him? No, I, he passed right in front of me. Did you get a picture? Bawali. But I met wow. Gavin Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I met yeah, yeah. Gavin Friday. Didn't you have a photo with him? Yeah. yeah. I was smoking with him. Mm. And he was talking all about the show. Hey, this show is going to be brilliant. He's going to start with all of them, you know, in the middle. And, yeah. and I'm like, who's this guy? And he says, I'm Gavin, by the way. And I, I, I literally almost fall into the wall because mm. this is Gavin, right? I've been talking to him for 10 minutes and I didn't know. And it's amazing. I mean, you know, this guy has probably been doing that tour for years and yeah. years. And he's not jaded. No, he was not. excited to was tell excited. you about the concert. Yeah. Amazing, was, right? I, I just didn't recognize him because he was, you know, he, well, Gavin Friday, I know, is thin. And, you know, 
mm. very you know artful. But this one was, of course, he had aged already. Mm. But yeah, I met him, and then after the concert that night, LA had told me that if uh, if I wanted to work with him, because he was going to put up a label. Right, and he wanted some guy who could uh, not only help with the direction but also help with the content, because mm-hmm. it's it's not just uh, the music, this content, this artist management, and and I jumped at it. I said without hesitation, "Let's go," because you know I've I've been doing concerts and stuff. And when you're that close to it, when you see all these the beautiful talent that's there, you kind of wonder why is it you get a hit. But it, so for some reason, it's not dynamic enough. And I was thinking, maybe we could help with content because content is what does it now. So yeah, I jumped at it, and uh, now the label is—it's not completely off the ground, but we're there. Already. You have talents already in your we, roster. We have a few. Yeah, we'll be signing them soon. The label is called Seven K Sounds. Seven K because Seven K because it we want to present the sound of Seven Thousand. Seven thousand islands. islands. Yeah. Ah, wow, that's nice. Yeah, What's um, out of that name, you? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> no, but it was it was something that me and uh, I got to talk to Ellie, and I said, "Well, because Ellie himself is is a singer, right? Like every other young singer, he's tw- he's, he's, he's just turned twenty. He's trying mm-hmm. to find a sound, and he mm-hmm. wants, of course, he wants to make an impact. And then I told him, Ellie, it's like this: we live in a country where, yes, you could have your impact, mm-hmm. you could have your hit." Mm. But then, what happens after that? Mm. If you want immortality, let's make something better. Let's create some sort of scene or a dynamic presentation, right? Where we always have this content, where where somehow the scene moves forward. And one of the things there is to sort of attract attention uh, on an international level to, okay. with collaborators. The the idea is um, we just keep shooting and shooting and shooting, putting it all out there. And hopefully, the local talents, uh, not necessarily with the label, but you know, from the underground or the mainstream, mm. will collaborate with us. Wow! So okay, you're blazing your trail here, your own trail, mm-hmm. outside of your day job you know, <laughs> as a director for a major network. Yeah. So, parang nakikita ko na ito yung passion mo talaga. Yeah. I mean, you love directing, of course, diba? You wouldn't mm-hmm. be lasting in this business if you didn't, right? And it pays the bills, right? Right. So, yeah. if Let's say, you know, the gods gave you the power to do what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, given the little playground that you have mm-hmm. uh, in the major network, what would you do? What would you change? What would I change? Ah, I've had this thought a long time. Okay, can I tell you this little story about Liverpool? Because I was in Liverpool Chris, uh, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Liverpool and I was in Penny Lane. It was, it was a beautiful sunset. And I was looking at the barbershop. The barbershop. This was the barbershop that John Lennon sang. You know, in Penny Lane, there is a barbershop. Oh. And I was looking at it. (laughs) No, but (laughs) he sings about that barbershop. And I was looking at it. And I was like, you know, the goosebumps and, you know, all the the epiphanous effect of seeing something that's actually in a Beatles song. And then I I suddenly, Mm. it's just a barbershop. But here I am having these goosebumps because I've traveled halfway across the it's world. It's just a barber shop, but it's not just a barber shop anymore. Yeah, because, because someone John had... Lennon mentioned it in song. Right. And then I thought, okay, who's going to do that for the Philippines? Who's going to have... There's no Liverpool guy who's going to go over to Manila and have the same effect. Something he sees is going to have the same effect. Right? 
Well, you know, there have been narrative type of songs that I love. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but you know, they songs don't know. of the Eraserheads, for example. You know, exactly. That is brilliant songwriting. Yeah, but they don't um, know about it. Who doesn't? The Liverpool people. Ah, so there you go. Oh. So there's the imbalance. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, it's like, you know about Brian Wilson, um, uh, the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Yeah. He drove himself crazy just so he could compete with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. He came up with uh, Pet Sounds. But of course, he went into depression. He's a genius, man, yeah. in his own right. But he was, he was so upset with uh, Sgt. Peppers that he locked himself in a studio for six months, by then, or, or something. Yeah, he locked himself in a studio for six months, drove himself nuts, took a, a hell load of drugs. But he came out with Pet Sounds. And then when he came out with Pet Sounds, Paul McCartney's like, I can't do that. <laughs> but the, the, what I'm, why, why am I yeah. saying this? I mean, why did we just take the Beatles or anyone else for that matter and not say, hey, we can do that? We you you want to level the playing field, in other words. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, the, if you I mean, had you know, the power, you'd do that. If I had the power. Oh, oh. Because I'm not saying that I'm not knocking the Beatles. I love the Beatles. I'm not knocking you too, but... Then, then when you see it from that perspective, everything just changes. Like, for example, we were crying, you two, when we watched you two, right? Now I'm like... I was crying because no. you didn't play I Will Follow. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I cried. And when they played bad, that the tear just fell. I, I was jumping for joy when they played Gloria. Right? Mm. But now in hindsight, I'm like, dude, I'm watching four guys from, a, from Ireland. Suddenly, they realign your thought. I'm going crazy over four guys from Ireland. But they're and, not just four guys from Ireland. But but you know, would they would they Ireland go crazy over four guys from Manila? I don't know. But we never had the opportunity to yeah, yeah. sort of level it. I'm not so saying simply we, put, you know, uh we are in our own little sort of uh black hole. <laughs> in, in, in this little space in a big world. Yeah, that, yeah. That just needs a little to come out. Yeah, and you see it happening. I mean the world has changed because of Korea. K-pop, uh, K-drama. Those guys are amazing. Yeah. The way they just brought their music out of the world. Yeah. And how did how did they do it? Do you believe it? in Korean. Exactly. And, and most of us don't understand what they're singing about. Yeah. I but mean, we're drawn to them, right? It's exactly. Like they're doing something. And Hollywood's looking at them. Exactly. It's not like Hollywood's export. Korea's exporting them no so to hell with language barriers man diba? it doesn't exist anymore but the, right yeah and plus there, there there are these acts that are just good enough that the language doesn't matter the siguros diba? the icelandic band yeah 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 uh, i don't even know i can't even pronounce singing, their name I... but at the right time they will bring you to tears diba? Mm-hmm. there's utada hikaru there's um like, Kakto uh, twins na lang, eh, diba? Oh, diba? there's like in cell with k-pop naman it was such a dynamic package, and I don't know. You know, everyone says it. it's because the government got it to back them up and all that. But talent-wise, sa sabing ko eh, parang hindi naman sa hindi magaling sila. Meron tayo. Parang paano natin mapapalabas to? There's a global party happening, and we're not part of it. That's the thing. That's mm. the thing that annoys me now. It's like there's a global party happening. You know, there's a guy, there's a Canadian guy called Drake. Yeah, so in other words, mm-hmm. man, you have your work cut out for you if you're going to come up with this label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because you already know what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And yet you don't have those tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you wish you had those tools. I wish I did. So this is really, you know, it's a leap of faith. It is. It you is. Know, to but put up a label and then hope to God that uh, some kind of support 
mm-hmm. would come mm-hmm. in the way that these uh, Korean acts and uh, mm-hmm. and other acts are getting support. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least you know, if you look at the scene or the the global that whole global thing, I think it's a matter of picking the right markets. Like where, okay, if mm-hmm. if you go, if you're gonna go with American hip hop, American R and B. Maybe not yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can't get a slice of that yet. I would say, I, I always say this, I mean, if you give me Bullet Dumas and give me a month in Europe, something would happen. Bullet Dumas, you know? Yeah, of course. Because you, how do you, how do you introduce yourself to people? You don't tell them, I'm exactly what you have already. No, this is me. You don't have anyone like me. Right? And Bullet Dumas is someone that I don't think anyone has. I've never seen anything like, like Bullet. Maybe he can create some sort of interest. Mm-hmm. Right? But you already have the platform mm-hmm. as we speak, right? Right. Like yeah. earlier, na banggit ko yung one music. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can, you can use all these mm-hmm. avenues that you mm-hmm. have now. Mm-hmm. But know, the, to further consolidate everything. Yeah. And come up with uh, something big. Well, well, Seven K Sounds is gonna have its own content. So mm-hmm. the the idea behind Seven K Kayash Seven K is because. It's it's a double meaning. The seven thousand islands, and at the same time, seven K. It's like gold. Mm-hmm. The sound is gold. So right. the story of the label, hopefully, the narrative that we want to do is that you know, LA is a, is a young man who tried to find the sound, mm-hmm. and at the same time, discover that the Philippines is still trying to find its sound. Okay. Right. But I'm gonna. Wow, you're gonna be busy, my friend. <laughs> so, final question to you. Yeah. Is there anything else that Alco Guerrero wants to do? Me now it's right in front of me. I mean, with with the label and stuff, uh, I think I've done enough. I mean, I of course I haven't. I'm not necessarily okay with everything I've done, but I think I've found a direction. Mm-hmm. So or somewhat, I've always wanted to be the guy who asks the bigger question. Always, because that's your fault. Because it's uh, envelope ideas. I've always wanted to sing out the envelope idea. Yeah. Lately, people come up to me and tell me it's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. I got into this business. It's my fault. <laughs> no, no. When I okay, when I, when I first heard the, <laughs> know, like, the hit of that thing, wow! And I'm just the guy who sings, you know. So, <laughs> Alco, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, no, I mean, to mention or promote? You know, um, well, while we're here. Oh, uh, well, Seven K Sounds will be coming up with a YouTube channel. So, mm-hmm. your your guitarist is the one who's doing the music with us, Sancho. Sancho. And we'll we'll be having a lot of content. We'll be having our own artists also. Mm-hmm. And of course, I also work for you guys, for the Don. So doing the, the nice little posters and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, Thank we, you for that, by, by the way. Oh, I love doing those. Um, and basically, that's it. I mean, I hope we can uh, create something. Something that means something more. Because the, the thing about the music scene... It's fine when it's happening and then you realize, okay, we didn't plan long enough. Yeah. This is what I want to plan. Like everyone wants to make money off the guys who make money, but no one wants to galvanize it into something that's so dynamic. And this is, this is what I think we didn't see because of the economics. I need up there. At the end of the day, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the Filipino talent and Filipino creativity can really, you know, slug it out with the best of them in the world. Mm. You know, it's just a matter of the money. The money, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, or, and, but I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful because we're very, somehow naman we make waves, you know, uh, here and there. It just mm-hmm. has to be sustained. Yes, you know? it has to be sustained, dynamic. 
And people have to realize, you know, the, the late uh, Miss Gina Lopez told me one of the best things ever. So, you know, why are we poor? Singapore had to make an island. We have 7,000. Wow. <laughs> why are we poor? And, and that will just, oh, that will just stay with you. Yes, it will. And on that note, Alco, thank you so much. Thank you. And to the listeners out there, you know, we, I hope you enjoyed this little podcast I had with a very good friend. And be safe and rock and roll. This show is produced by Cutprint Podcast Network and Jet Pangan, recorded at Digitrax Sound Productions. Executive producer, Patsy Ferrer. Executive creative director, Mark Tong. Creative directors, Christine Alido and Pat Ledesma. Head writer, Terrence Julio. Legal and accounting, JJ Santos and Charisse Ang. Sound engineer, MJ Habal. Video production, Case Lens in partnership with Cut Print Productions. Special thanks to Road Mike and Sir Ed Eloriaga. To advertise, email us at podcast at cutprintproductions.com or call us at 0918-807-8478.